This is the Recruiting Simplified Podcast, where college basketball coaches give parents all the information that they need to help their child reach their goals of playing at the next level. The recruiting process can be difficult at times and it can be overwhelming. So the goal of this podcast is to help parents get the right information from the people who make the decisions. You can find more information at AngelaRLewis.com or follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Coach A. Lewis. Listen to what this coach had to say. Welcome to this episode of Recruiting Simplified. I'm Angie Lewis, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Megan Lusinger, she is the head coach at Evangel University. Megan, thank you so much for joining me and talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be able to talk with you and, and share a little bit about my story. Yeah, Megan, so you have a really interesting background. You talk about where you played and your basketball career, what led you to coaching? Yeah, so for me, I, you know, basketball was a sport that I grew up playing. I kind of lived in the gym. My dad coached myself, and I've, I have two sisters and an older brother, so we always found ourselves in the gym. He was a teacher, and so naturally that kind of led to him coaching um, after school, and so that's where I first kind of grew a passion to love the sports, and then as, as I progressed and got older, started playing AAU basketball in the summer, and then continued to play school ball, and then eventually ended up getting a full-ride scholarship to Liberty University, and an interesting fact about myself is I'm a triplet, and so I got to play alongside my two sisters at Liberty University as well, which was phenomenal experience. And then after my college playing days were over, I was drafted to play NBA, so I played a couple seasons down in San Antonio with the Silver Stars, and then after that bounced around to a few other training camps, but then also played concurrently overseas during that time. And so my total professional playing experience was seven years and played five years in Turkey, one in Israel and one in Poland overseas. But through all that, I think um, having that background of starting basketball at such a young age and also seeing my dad coach myself and my siblings, I really admired the way he handled himself and just the perspective and balance. I know that can sometimes be tricky as a parent to juggle that and, and you know, having a, a child, a son or a daughter play, but then for him to actually be able to coach um, me was a unique experience. And, you know, I've seen some of those situations not go so well, but for me, I have no, no regrets. And I'm very thankful that he, he was able to coach me and I learned a lot from him and he helped kind of shape the person, not just that I was on the floor, but off the court as well. And so seeing that perspective that my dad had, and then once I transitioned to playing collegiately and then professionally, it was awesome for me to be able to be under a lot of great coaches and learn from them and kind of learn, okay, I really like this that they're doing. This I may tweak a little bit, but being able to go through different experiences, different coaches um, has kind of, you know, it kind of sparked a passion for me to be able to, after I finished playing, get into the coaching side of things. And so after I finished playing, a job kind of opened and fell in my lap at Valparaiso University. And so I was an assistant coach there for a couple of seasons. And then now I'm currently at Evangel University as a head coach and starting my second year. And 
so far have really enjoyed. It's it's different not being physically out on the floor, but being able to kind of direct and and lead and guide young women, um, and and hopefully not just make them better basketball players, but most importantly, better people um, who can go out and make a difference in this world. Yes, so true. So true. It's always bigger than um, just the sport. So let's go back one second. You are a triplet. How is it growing? How is life growing up one of three? Do you, all of y'all look exactly alike? Yeah, so, you know, that's the question that I get asked and my sisters, we, we got asked a, a lot growing up is how is it like to be a triple, triplet? And I always tell people that I don't know anything different since I've been a triplet my whole life. But for me, I, you know, I tell people it's, it's like having two built-in best friends. I, I love my sisters dearly. They are both identical. I'm fraternal, but if people were playing us on the basketball floor, they really couldn't tell a difference. And on the floor collegiately, we were numbers 40, 41, and 42. So if somebody did a quick glance at the back of our jersey, they may think that I'm Molly or I'm Mariah. We all started with with them, so Megan, Molly, and Mariah. And it was just great to be able to play with them and grow up with them. And they're still some of my best friends now. And I don't get to live as close as I would like to with them. Yeah. They are, are still a huge part of my life. That is so awesome. That is really cool. I have brothers who are identical twins. And oh, really? This girl. And their twin thing, it, no one can permeate their twinness. They get together and then they're <laughs> this girl. I have to say, this is pretty funny. They have very few memories of me with them as kids. Like, we can't agree upon the childhood memory because all of their memories are them together. And I'm like, <laughs> person roaming around. It's hilarious. So. Yeah. Yeah, you were kind of oddball. I tell people I have an older brother who's 19 months older than myself and my sisters, and he kind of ended up um, by default being a tag-along some because we always got the attention looking alike and, you know, that kind of thing. But I have the world's best uh, big brother, and I'm thankful for that. So. Yeah, family's so important. I mean, we're, what we're alluding to is, like, the impact of family on sports and your mm -hmm. – family it's such it's not just you playing the game it becomes an entire family affair when you're playing yes absolutely I, I know um, you know in this day and age in this culture even as I've transitioned to coaching just the importance of of these girls you know growing up and, and boys and in homes that support them and, and that looks different for everybody you know sometimes it's a grandparent stepping in sometimes it's an aunt and uncle um, foster parent, you name it, but it is uh, very, very crucial to have that support system if, you know, if and when it's available. Yep, it is. It makes a difference for you. All it right. does. Let's talk about Evangel University, and I'm going to put this out here really quickly because there is this assumption. There's this assumption, Evangel is NAI, you're in Springfield, Missouri. There's this assumption that Coaches, if a coach is not at NCAA Division One, which you've been in your basketball resume is, I mean, you played the highest level in the world, right? So there's this assumption that, oh, if you're not coaching NCAA Division One, you must not be as quality of a coach. I've heard parents, some parents say that. So I want to talk about like your decision to coach at Evangel and tell us about what makes your program special. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, being able to coach here at Evangel University, it's, it's been a great experience for me and my family and the players that I get to make an impact. But 
um, also for me, my, my Christian faith is a huge part of my life. And so I was blessed to be able to go to a Christian university and then being able to coach now at Evangel, it's a, it's a unique spot. I mean, we are at the NAI level, Division One. Next year, the NAI will be moving division list, so they'll get rid of Division One, Division Two. Um, but yeah, having played at the highest level, having you know been at the Division One level in college, you're exactly right. You know, there's the perception of well, you know, you've arrived if you made it at the Division One level, and maybe you haven't if you're at the NAIA or D2, D3. But what I like to tell people is, you know, you have to find your niche and find find the place or the level that you feel like you fit in. And most importantly, you know, finding a coach who can mentor and come alongside the uh, the player that's that's wanting to play at the next level. Because I think I, I remember being a player that college, those 18 to 22, that um, age range, those four years, are very pivotal years in a person's life. I know they were in mine. And so my desire being able to come to a place like Evangel is, and I, I really appreciate this aspect, is just having that you know, balance of, yes, you know, we're here to compete, we're here to work hard, but also, um, you know, probably not quite as uh, stringent or um, the schedule that maybe the Division One level basketball is. Now, that being said, I mean, I, I play Division One basketball, so I, I love that aspect as well, but, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed being able to share my, my faith, and Evangel's a unique spot because we're kind of in the Midwest and surrounded by some bigger cities with Kansas City, St. Louis, um, not too far from Tulsa, places like that. So it's a it's a hotbed for talent. And so I'm thankful to be in an area where we can recruit pretty uh, local, so to speak. But I've enjoyed my time at Evangel. I tell all my girls coming on campus when I recruit them that although I may not have actually birthed them and, and had them, I want to treat them like my own and treat them like they're my daughters because they they are, and I'm kind of their uh, mom away from home. And so being able to have that family environment, that's something that we, we stress. And I, I try to really push here because um, I also tell my current players, you know, you're our program's best recruiters because I want, I want them to tell girls coming here how it really is. And I don't want any, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. My assistant coaches aren't, but we try to strive to, to run a program that is first and foremost pleasing to the Lord. But secondly, um, a place where girls can feel wanted and accepted and welcomed. And it's not contingent or dependent upon what they do on the floor, but rather we want to be there with them, you know, in the highs and lows of life. So that's, that's something, you know, a little bit about Evangel and, and as a school itself, being able to have that smaller student to teacher ratio, like 16 students to one teacher has been a blessing. And, and our girls comment all the time how they're not just a number in the classroom, but they get to actually relate to their professors and, and get to know them. That makes a difference, right? To have people who actually know who you are and to have the community support around community, school community supporting your team. With, with Absolutely. your do you all offer full athletic scholarships? What's the scholarship um, or financial aid that is offered? Yeah, so I think every school really, I mean, within the NAIA, you have your set number, like Division One level, it can be up to 11, Division Two, I think it's, it's what you're looking at like now, when we go divisionless next year, we're going to drop that down to eight, and that'll be for, for all universities, but every university, one thing I found once I got here, because I didn't really have to deal with that at the Division One level, it's just okay, you know, you, you hand out your full rides, but um 
for me here at Evangel, we kind of go based on a tuition discount percentage. So um, by the time we, we, I like to recruit girls who have great academics. So of course you're going to have some outliers there, but for the most part, um, I tell my players, I really don't want to have to be, you know, doing class checks and things like that, or making sure you're turning your homework. I, I expect them to be adults as they are. And because that's that when they get out in the real world, they're not going to necessarily have their mom or dad checking up on them to make sure they're getting to work on time and things like that. So, you know, that's, that's kind of on my end. I try to recruit girls who take care of it, you know, getting things taken care of in the classroom. But so that being said, um, at the NAI level, you have a lot of exemptions if girls qualify for a lot of academic money and things like that. So that factors in there, but typically most of my players are, you know, getting anywhere from 10 to 14,000 just from academics alone. And so that's something I've stressed. And, and like I said, every, I've seen other schools and especially in our conference do it a little bit different, but um, that's what I push first and foremost. And then from there with my specific university, we do a tuition discount. So each program is trying to hit a certain tuition discount, which allows them for, you'll have some full rides that you're giving to girls. You'll have some um, full tuition kids and you'll have some, you know, girls under, but we try to put together the best package for each girl. And so far it's, it's done, you know, we've done very well. We actually started a reserve team as well. So we not only have a varsity team, but we have a reserve team. So we even scholarship those girls. And um, so basically our entire program, we have 32 girls within our entire program and carry about 16 on each team. That is amazing. That is really amazing. Kudos to what y'all have built because most teams don't have, most schools don't have both both teams. Yeah, that's really huge. And it right. more opportunities for young women to play. Absolutely. You know, that's kind of what we're, we've looked at this second team. I mean, it does help, of course, with numbers in the institution overall. And that's something you deal with when you're talking about a smaller institution. But um, the way we specifically run our, the two kind of teams within one program is almost like a farm system, kind of like the um, kind of like baseball, the major leagues and things like that. So it's kind of a waffling roster. We, we start out and we, you know, we said, okay, these girls are varsity, these are reserved. But then what the way we do it is we kind of throughout the year, whether it's injuries or somebody needs to get more playing time at the reserve level because they haven't played a lot at the varsity level or we see like a reserve player is, has got some quality minutes and experience and they're ready to jump up to varsity. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how we're running our program. So everybody across the board gets the same gear, same shoes, you know, that kind of thing. And so far, I mean, this is my very first year dealing with two teams and it's, it's gone well so far. So yeah, like you said, it's an opportunity to allow girls to be able to play at this level. And regardless of where someone is playing NCAA, NAIA, you're still an elite, um, elite group because there's a lot of girls, boys that would be loving to play at the collegiate level that don't get that opportunity. So they're so true. There are very few. There are very few high school kids that go on to play college basketball. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think is parents also often ask about and players is the time commitment. They say, well, you know, should we? aspire to play into the division one or should we aspire to play division two division three i know a girl personally who went to a division one school and then transferred to a division three school after a year because it wasn't the best fit so can you talk a little bit about 
the month mm-hmm. of your season and kind of the rules around how much y'all practice and off season to give parents a context? Yeah, so for the NAI level, typically, you know, I can compare it to the NCAA Division One level. You will have summer school and different requirements that are just a given at the Division One level that you you do. And so, you know, you don't get too much of a break. Your Christmas break, you're looking at four or five days, um, and then you're back on campus to get ready for, you know, a Christmas tournament or things of that sort. But one thing I found coming coming to the NAIA level is that, yeah, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get to play, but have a little bit more of a life balance. So for us, we really can't afford, like the Division One level can, to keep girls on campus throughout the summer. So if girls want to take summer classes, that's great. They can. They can go to a local community college or even maybe take some through us, but we do not keep them on, on campus in the summer. Now, I recruit local quite a bit, so we do have girls not too far away from Evangel that can still come in. I'm allowed, my assistant coaches are allowed to work the girls out. Once the school calendar year finishes, we have a um, couple month window in the summer that they can come in and we can work them out as much as they want to work out. It's not something I require. I, I uh, send my players home with packets of basketball workouts and lifting and running workouts to be doing throughout the summer. And then when they get back on campus, when school starts, we usually hit the ground running at that point. But for us, we don't have all the rules as far as you know, dead periods, recruiting-wise, and things like that. So I can really talk to a player anytime I want to when I'm recruiting them. They can contact me. Um, we try to get out to a lot of high school games. But for me, for our Christmas break, once again, kind of comes to a cost issue, but also having that balance in there as well. We usually give our girls about nine to ten days at Christmas. And so that gives them time if we do have girls living far from Springfield, from Evangel, they get to be home a solid week with their family. And then um, depending on how we're doing in March, we'll determine if they get their spring break at home or not. But as far as the summer goes, it seems like the girls have really bought into that, you know, enjoying being home with family. They also can pick up a summer job. I know when I was playing at the Division One level, it was pretty tough to, you know, work and balance basketball because really basketball just consumed, consumed me quite a bit. So um, a lot of my players get summer jobs. Some girls go on mission trips in the summer. Um, you know, they can go on family vacations, which was much harder to do for me at the Division One level. Um, so that's something that we've, you know, tried to establish here is finding that proper balance. Now, that being said, when the girls come back on campus, we immediately jump into preseason. And so then our practice schedule, we can start much sooner. We can um, start essentially a couple weeks after we get on campus um, with practice so we've been practicing for a couple weeks now a few weeks and um, our girls are really um, they've just really done a good job buying in and I really stress the importance to them of being physically in good shape when they come on campus because the system every coach has their different systems that they run but for us we try to get up and down the floor quite a bit so that that could limit a girl's playing time if they haven't taken their workout serious in the summer but once again it comes back to that building that trust and you know calling on them to be adults and and to have that accountability. Yeah, that's so true. And thank you for that really in-depth overview of the schedule because a lot of times players like the allure of NCAA Division One, and it's great. I mean, Mm -hmm. you both play wonderful things that happen at that level. Um, But when I'm talking to parents, I always tell them, you have to evaluate your daughter based on who she is. 
if you know mm-hmm. a kid that wants to travel abroad or wants to work, like it doesn't, it doesn't mean that she doesn't love the game, but if there are other things that she's interested in, then her playing at that level, she's not going to be as fulfilled in her college experience. And that's okay. Absolutely. Will you talk about when you go out recruiting, when you hit the gym, what are you looking to see? I get this question all the time. What are they looking for? What types of players are you looking for in terms of skill level? Yeah, so, you know, a little bit of an intangible before I even touch on the skill part of things is, and I tell my players this all the time, I I look at their attitude and their effort. So those are the two first things. If I see a girl, you know, not putting forth the effort that she needs to be on the floor or not having a good attitude, whether it's because they thought they should have been fouled on the drive or their, their team's down and getting blown out, whatever the case may be, you know, as a coach, I really like to focus on, on that um, kind of first. I mean, of course, someone catches my eye when they have a good skill set as well, but I don't want to be as a coach having to constantly get on somebody to, hey, you need to turn your motor on, you need to get with it and that kind of thing. So those two outside of skills are huge for me. And I'd say probably most coaches, to be quite honest with you. But when it comes to skill sets, I know the the game has kind of changed even from when I was playing collegiately. And so I'm, you, you still need your post player. You still, of course, need a phenomenal guard play. But I like to kind of start in what I've started doing myself. Now, being a head coach is coaching those utility type players who can play multiple positions on the floor. So you know, that, that looks a little bit different maybe at the NAIA level than it does at the Division One level, but you're seeing it across all levels, those girls that can just play multiple positions on the floor, and you're seeing it at the professional level as well. I was kind of one of those players myself. Um, being 6'2", I, I played on the wing collegiately, professionally played the wing and inside, but um, I've, I've started to, to really recruit girls that can bang around inside, knock down the outside shot, but run the floor and most importantly play defense and be able to be mobile because the game is, I believe the pace has gotten a lot quicker in the last few years. And so you you have to recruit girls that can keep up with that pace and not wear down quickly. So that's kind of what I look for, especially in this first recruiting class that I um, have. Um, We have eight freshmen at the varsity level. And so um, it's, if you look at our team, we've got girls who can do just that. If I need them to play out on the wing, I can do that and they can guard, you know, the point guard if if necessary. They can also go inside and bang around with the post player if they need to. So um, that's kind of what I look for. You know, we, in my system in particular, we run more of motion type plays, but transition is a huge part of our game, both defensively and offensively. So girls who can, uh, you know, move and are are more mobile are definitely ones that I are on my radar and high on my radar. Yeah, Megan, I think that that sometimes players underestimate the significance of just being in great shape and mm-hmm. how important fitness is. And you talked about that players who can play inside, outside, who can play anywhere on the floor, feel confident playing anywhere on the floor, that they're not going to be mm-hmm. alive when they're, when they're out there. Yeah, that's important. Thank you for sharing that because parents, you know, we want players to be, to have the best opportunity, but it's important to know that you have to like there's some there's some things you have to to do to be more agile and more mobile and that's possible this right. is about making shots it's about agility mobility and strength yeah and i think you know a lot of times 
especially with our the AAU, um, just you know, AAU taking over even more so when I was playing, and now and so playing is great. Girls need that, but they I think what's being tossed to the wayside a little bit now is that skill development. So getting in the gym and working on your dribbling skills, working on your shooting mechanics. Some of that has, you know, fallen to the wayside because it's just, oh, let's play, 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 play. And then the, you know, girl is so worn out that they don't really physically have the energy to get in and, and get that extra um, skill work in. So that's something I've noticed just in my playing, playing collegially in AAU to now seeing girls with AAU and, and playing collegiately what some of the skills that they're kind of lacking or don't even have never even done. And yet they're college, you know, basketball players. So um, I would encourage, you know, girls and parents alike, um, don't discount that and, and make sure that, you know, you're, if, like my dad said, if you want to play the game, you've got to put the time in and it can't just be, you know, playing or scrimmaging. You, you have to get down to those fine details of footwork, um, you know, those various things like that. So I would encourage people that you've got to really hone in on what are some skills that, that you need to really really, you know, get better at to be able to play at the next level. You you mentioned footwork. What are some other skills that you say are missing when you're watching girls play? What is the way? Yeah, I mean, foot, yeah, yeah, footwork, I'd say, would, would be a big one in terms of, and, and footwork in a lot of variety of ways. Defensively, first and foremost, you know, knowing angles, knowing when to, um, how to be able to cut that person off that's attacking the basket, also closing out properly um, to prevent that shot from uh, easily happening. But then offensively, too, and one thing I've noticed, and, you know, my girls will tell you, I've told them this here at Evangel even, and where I was at Valparaiso is, being ready for your shot. You know, there's so many times girls, if they're we're running a certain set and they may be the specific play is not for them or designed for them, but, you know, then all of a sudden they find themselves with the ball in their hands and they just are standing straight up and they've caught it and they can't, can't do anything with it because they're not looking, you know, of course we hear about the triple threat position and that's a common, common terminology, but just being ready to, to when you receive that ball, being able to put it on the floor, being able to look for your shot, or being able to kick it to someone else who's open. And, and so many times I'm finding, especially at this level, um, even if they're coming off of the screen, how is their footwork? Are they squared up for their shot? Or are they leaning to the right, leaning to the left? Are they fading? You know, all those little things that may not seem like a big deal, especially when you get from high school to the college level, those little details. And that's one I keep stressing to my girls this year. It's details, details, details those things are going to prevent you from either getting your shot blocked or getting your shot off. You know, it's going to prevent um, a drive happening to the basket or a girl driving all the way and making a layup defensively. So I think footwork is huge. And then, you know, also shooting, of course, if you can't knock it down, <laughs> you're going to struggle um, to win some games. And so looking at girls, even their shot mechanics, but a lot of that does start with the footwork and footwork can, can help a lot of that. But mechanically speaking, from a shot perspective, do, are they getting enough, you know, arch on their shot? Are they getting low when they, you know, go up into their shots? Things like that, I think, are, are just aspects that girls really need to focus on and hone in on, as the, even at the high school level, of course, but then as they transition to the collegiate level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything you mentioned, Megan, is – or things that players have to work on continuously. Like you never arrive at right. being laid off 
coming off a screen. Like you just keep working at it. You get your shot up quicker, mm-hmm. you get your angles tighter, you cut harder, you know, with your teammate. You cut there's I think sometimes um we we say get better at this and then then players think that, oh, like now you're better and now you're there. But you never get there because there's always another level that you can go to. So that's important to know that it's like constant work. Absolutely. Never agree. I don't think coaches ever said this player is great at defense. Like you don't have to get better at defense ever again. I've never heard that. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, something that stuck with me from my college days, one of my professors in college, she kind of gave a pop quiz one day and she said, okay, class, you know, what is the biggest room in the world? And we're all scratching our heads like oh what could it be and so we're naming off some big buildings and this that and the other and she says you know the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement Mm. and so kind of coming back to that of you know yes you never arrive there's always something that you can improve on maybe you've offensively upped your game but how is your defense you know things like that so um, that's a challenge that I've used that that quote quite a bit but um, room for improvement you know there's always something to improve on that's good that, I would love that. I'm going to steal it. I will um, give you credit for it, though. You're a professor. <laughs> That's a really good quote. Thank you for sharing Go that. for it. Go for it. <laughs> so I want to wrap up here. Is there anything else about your university that you want parents and players to know? Well, you know, I would say if, if as, a, as a parent, if I know this is something now that I have two little boys and I think about the future of their lives and and that kind of thing. I would just say, you know, the Evangel University take basketball out of it um, is a is just a great place to uh, to develop and grow as a person. And so that's that's one thing. If you're looking for you know great fit, please reach out you know to me or anybody here on campus. I, I always tell people this is a very family oriented campus and it's a genuine campus. And so um, regardless of of where someone wants to go. You know, always, always look at that. Look at the atmosphere, the culture of the campus, and you know, is it truly a good fit for um, your daughter, your son, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think that's yeah, have, finding that right fit. That fit looks different for everyone, and but it's so important because, especially girls, and and how I think you know we're wired. Um, we we have a lot of emotions at different times, whether it's, you know, off the court, boyfriend, various things like that. But um, really how how that person or how the girl is being taken care of and handled, not just on the floor by the coach, but off the court is is very important and something that, you know, each each girl needs to look into. And I always tell, you know, talk to the other players, like wherever, whatever school you go visit on that campus, talk to the other players, ask them how the culture is, ask them, you know, how the um, head coaches, assistant coaches, those things, because um, everyone can kind of put on a front and put their best foot forward, but everyone's true colors come out and their character comes out to them eventually. So that's what I always tell girls. I'm like, hey, you don't have to come here to this, to our school. We'd love to have you, but at the same time, you know, we want you to be where you feel like you're going to be, uh, you know, fitting in the best. Absolutely. It's about knowing yourself and knowing and being able to evaluate the culture of the school. Yep. I love that. Megan, thank you so much for joining me. If people want to contact you, how can they reach you and to learn more? Yeah. So for us, um, as far as Vassal wise, it would be evangel 
E-V-A-N-G-E-L, W-B-B. You can look us up on Twitter, on um, Instagram as well. We have a Facebook page. It's just simple, Evangel University Women's Basketball. And then for me personally, um, you can look up my email on our website. My last name's a little long, but it's Luzinger, L-E-U-Z-I-N-G-E-R-M, at evangel.edu. And then I also have Twitter and Instagram as well, M-E Luzinger. So would love to hear from you and, and chat, reach out by email, um, and love to get to know you better. Well, thank you so much. I just went to your Instagram page, so I'm following y'all. You have a new follower, so I'm excited. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm excited to see all the great things that happened this season. Good luck in your upcoming games, and I just appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Well, thank you so much for having me on today, and excited to see how you continue to impact young uh, women's lives. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. The Recruiting Simplified podcast is produced by the Global Athlete Media Network. To find out more information about this podcast, visit AngelaRLewis.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Coach A. Lewis.